shit. What up? All right. I'm recording. Are you recording? Yeah, feeling good. Feeling fine? Uh, oh, I normally start this. I'm so sorry. Hello, listener. Welcome to Well, That's New. It's the podcast uh, where we talk a little bit about stuff on Wikipedia because, uh, you know, Wikipedia's got a lot of stuff. And that's Aaron and I'm Andrew. How y'all doing? Bum. We in. We're ready to ready to learn together in harmony. Indubitably. Hmm. Excellent. Yes. All right. Uh, do you want me to go first? Yeah. Let's do it, baby. All right. We're getting right in there. No. No chit chat. Just. No. <laughs> I just came from out of town, so I'm like a little. Oof. But uh, now, look what I have for you today: gravy. Gravy, baby. It's all gravy. Gravy, is, the, is that time of year again? It's Gonna, gravy season. It's gravy. <laughs> did you bring your gravy hat? Why, yes, I did. Uh, and uh, I flew uh, in on my gravy boat. I didn't know I should bring it. <laughs> when in doubt, always bring your gravy. Gravy boat. Gravy, yes. Um, gravy. Marone. Uh, gravy is a sauce often made with the juices of meats. I like that sentence. Juices mm. of meats that run nat- naturally during the cooking and often thickened flour, wheat, like you know, wheat flour or cornstarch for texture. Gravy may be further colored uh, and flavored uh, with gravy salt, a simple mix of salt and caramel food coloring, or gravy browning. Gravy salt dissolved in water in or ready-to-made cubes and powders that can be used as a substitute for natural meat or vegetable extracts. Canned and instant gravy is also available. But and not gravy, preferred. Not preferred, no. And gravy is commonly served with biscuits, roasts, meatloaf, rice, noodles, chips, fries, and mashed potatoes. This is all right on the, right on the money. Uh, I'm, I'm in love. <laughs> I like how they have uh, they're, they're making a mushroom gravy over there. Hey! Oh! Oh! Now here's. By the way, every time we say something like that, I usually like to put in the uh, uh, Sopranos theme song. Fantastic! Um, <laughs> hey! Whoa! Oh! Uh, hey! I'm hey! hey uh... <laughs> I'm craving over here. I do like that they're uh, in the types of gravies. They <laughs> it, there's a disclaimer. This section does not cite any sources other than my mouth. <laughs> other than what I love. Uh, brown gravy is a name for gravy made from the drippings of roasted meat or fowl. You got your cream gravy or your white gravy is a bechamel, often used in biscuits and gravy and chicken fried steak. All these things I like. All those things. Mm. Egg gravy is a variety of gravy made by starting with the meat drippings, usually from bacon, followed by flour being used to make a thick roux. Water, broth, or milk is added to lighten it up. Salt, pepper, and separating into small fragments for gravy with egg. It's called rich man's gravy in some areas of the southern U.S., so I've they're not doing egg gravy. I, Me neither, uh, but I if will, it's... I guess I'll have to make it. I mean... Report, report I, back. Homework. It's, my, it's homework, baby. Everyone do... Do your gravy, gravy. homework. Do your gravy. <laughs> Son, have you finished your gravy homework? <laughs> but, Papa, I cannot have any more gravy. You will gravy in this house. <laughs> gravy homework. Uh, actually, I can imagine that's what the, that's like what homework is uh, when you go to a culinary school. Yeah, that sounds great. 
Um, giblet gravy, obviously, that's a big one for this week. Uh, are you a are you a giblet gravy man? Uh, no. Oh. I don't think we've actually. You know what? I also haven't tried it, so I don't know. We usually just throw the giblets right out the window. Yeah, it's kind of great when they give you turkey. You get all these fun extra parts just for fun. It's fun parts. <laughs> it's all the fun parts. <laughs> yeah, gravy. That's going to be happening this week. Uh, I can't wait for it. Uh, mushroom gravy is just, you know, pretty self-explanatory. Duh. Uh, onion gravy is made from large quantities of slowly s- sweated chopped onions mixed with stock or wine. Fucking sounds great. Serves with bangers and mash. And a great band name. I call it bangers and mash. Now, this one I have actually never heard of before. Red-eye gravy is gravy made from the drippings of ham fried in a, in a skillet or frying pan. The pan is deglazed with coffee, giving the gravy mm. its name and uses no thickening agents. This gravy is a staple of southern United States cuisine and is served regularly over ham grits or biscuits. N- there's no surprises there. It sounds really good. Uh, but Yeah. I mean, but I just love how they're like, yeah, it's this, the, you know, this is gravy. It's really popular in the South. Uh, duh. <laughs> Have you been? <laughs> oh, there's biscuits involved? Wow. I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> Actually, I, I do have to say, uh, when I was in Georgia this past year, we were really pretty far out in the backwoods. It wasn't like, mm. we weren't really close to Atlanta, but uh, I did have like, uh, uh, like a biscuit breakfast sandwich and it was so good. Oh. I was like, man... Yeah, that reminds me of when I was in Seattle. There was a place called the Biscuit Bitch. Oh, I've was... been there. Fucking oh. rocks. Oh, uh, uh, unbelievable. Yeah. Oh man, especially when you get those um those like spicy Cajun andouille that's, sausages. That's Ooh. what I got. Yeah, it was a it, spicy time. It was uh, it was it was the one one of the few times where I've waited in line and I got the thing and I was like, this was so worth the wait. A hundred percent. So vegetable gravy, you know, pretty self. We're getting pretty self-explanatory. Yeah, <laughs> Chocolate gravy, however, oh, is a variety of gravy made me? with fat, flour, cocoa powder, and varying amounts of sugar. The, the variety is more common in the cuisine of the United States. Often yeah. served as a Sunday morning dish with fresh biscuits in the Ozark and Appalachian Mountain regions of Alabama. It's commonly served on Christmas morning, so <clears throat> they got sweet gravies too. I, I, I didn't, I didn't know. I mean, it kind of just looks like chocolate sauce but yeah (laughs) but we had to add the word gravy so uh you know you know what it's more acceptable you know uh as a as a cultural purveyor in many gravy arts uh i'm gonna let this one slide i'm a real gravy man (laughs) um yeah i mean what uh, listen i love gravy i love gravy there's i also like there's gravy train um excellent list of sauces i mean Oh, uh, like an au jus. Oh, ah, jus over here. Ah, um, But oh yeah, here we go. This is this is the one I really want to get to. Mm. In Italian American communities, uh, particularly on the East Coast and around the Chicago area, the term gravy or tomato gravy or Sunday gravy is used. Uh, but this refers to meat-based tomato sauce rather than the meat drippings mixed with a thickener. Uh, using context, gravy is meant to be the English translation for the uh, Italian sugo, which means sauce, as in sugo per pasticciutti. I fucked that one up. Um, <laughs> whether, or not, to me. <laughs> whether or not, uh, whether certain sauces are referred to as gravy or sauce in Italian-American cuisine continues to be a source of the debate and varies according to different family and community traditions. So, that's the uh, guys, we made it. 
We did it. We did. We, got, we did. We, we read. We read the gravy article. We read the gravy article. I'll be sure to throw that right in the chat. Yeah. Uh, you know what? Nice, nice to start off being a little festive. Uh, uh, yeah, it's great to be festive. Kind of, kind of, kind of makes me want to have uh, some gravy. I, I, I never don't want gravy. <laughs> uh, if there's a choice between gravy or not gravy, um, what do you think? Uh, gravy. Well, <laughs> well, since you were talking about food, I was going to hold off on this, but well, since we're on the food train, we're. We're going to stay on that food train. We're talking about sausage dishes. Love it. There's a lot of them. That's, uh, yes. But I, I really love the first one, which says it's called the bacon explosion. <laughs> uh, excuse me? It, pardon me. <laughs> uh, let's see. It's a pork dish that consists of bacon wrapped around a filling of spiced sausage and crumbled bacon. You got to double that bacon, baby. I mean, it's if I, I feel like there if there isn't at least two, it's not really an explosion. It's just bacon. It's just regular bacon, <laughs> uh, <laughs> sir. You, you need your bacon with your bacon, please. Please, or it's not an explosion, <laughs> uh, <laughs> ma'am. <laughs> this is a family restaurant, sir. This is an Arby's. You need to put on your shirt. <laughs> you can't be rubbing gravy on yourself. <laughs> <laughs> uh then we have a bagel dog which big fan you think about yeah why not <laughs> have you thought about it because i've thought about it i thought about it this morning uh, <laughs> uh we have bangers and mash which we mentioned before sausages with mashed potatoes very nice huge fan um you know we got the chili dog even though we talked kind of about that last week you know you know, sausages and hot dogs. You know. Kind of share, kind of share some similar stuff, like a curry worse, which is Ooh. Like a fast food curry sausage out of Germany, which is oh. wonderful. I love all things curry related. Agree. Uh, um, pigs and blankets. Here, we let's go through. The, I'm just going to read off the whole list. Do it. Gotta, you won't. Gotta fill out that time, baby. Uh, <laughs> you got battered sausages. We got bigos. We got boliche. We got bofra, bodifara. We got cazulet, a slow-cooked casserole containing meat and white beans. Damn. We got, we got a cheese dog. I've heard of those. Those sound good. We got a, a, a chicken bog. Um, that sounds great too. Chicken and uh, rice pilaf. Ooh. In American cuisine, sure. sure. Chili dog. Uh, Chorilana, a Chilean dish. Um, we got coddle. Coddle, okay. Stewed with, with no fixed recipe. <laughs> <laughs> Traditional in Dublin, built around boiled sausages. Okay. We got corn dog, classic. Uh, we got Cozido. What's, what's a, what's a Cozido? Tell me, great internet, what is a Cozido? Uh, let's see. It's a stew from Spain, Portugal, and Brazil. Uh, let's see. Uh, it, it, it comes from the word boiled thing. Okay. Boiled thing, okay. <laughs> yeah, very, sir, very general. Sir, may I have a boiled thing? One boiled thing, please. Uh, extra boiled thing. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> uh, made of various meats and vegetables. All right. Well, you get you get the idea. 
<laughs> it, it seems like it's a little, uh, you know, kind of freewheeling what you're going to put into it. Yeah, I like uh, it. Yeah. Um, got John Belaya, of course. Big fan. Big fan. Delicious. Uh, a Michigan hot dog. Do we talk about Michigan? Yeah, yeah the, con- about- the Coney. Yeah, yeah we talk about the Coney. Yeah. Uh, Maxwell Street Polish. Oh. Uh, from Chicago. Hey. Uh, oh. oh. The Olivier salad. I like how there's a sausage salad. Let's look into that. Sausage salad? You just said the... <laughs> That's the word of the day. Sausage salad. <laughs> uh, a traditional salad dish in Russian cuisine, which is popular in other post-Soviet countries and around the world. In modern recipes, it's usually boiled, uh, diced boiled potatoes, carrots, brined dill pickles, Oof. green peas, eggs, celeriac. Uh, onions, diced boiled chicken or bologna sausage, or ham or hot dogs, and tart apples with salt, pepper, and mustard added to enhance the flavor dressed with mayonnaise. God damn. Uh, also known as a Russian salad. Also known <laughs> as, can I have some, please? Uh, yeah, I, I, not a whole lot of salad going on in that salad, I have to say. It's like, <laughs> it's like uh, it's like, you know, macaroni salad. It's like, there's just a little, this is a little bit of salad. I don't know who, who thought to call it a salad, but. Yeah, who, whoever's out here naming salads, you're, you're not doing a good job, but uh, God, if I don't respect the hustle. <laughs> yeah, the hustle, hey, the, it, it appeals. It appeals to a lot more people if you just throw in the word salad. Um, Sausage <laughs> boo salad? Mmm. Mm. Let's see. Uh, uh, sausage roll, of course, a savory pastry snack. Um, toad in a hole. I've heard of that. That's, yes. We might have talked about toad in a hole, but it's basically like uh, a sausage in Yorkshire pudding batter uh, with onion gravy and vegetables. It's like a big sausage uh, bread bowl. I... Yes, please. Yeah, that sounds yeah, great. Yeah, yeah. Um, eh, that, that's enough of that. There, there's more, but those are some good highlights. Uh, I'm just happy that I found something that was called uh, basically sausage salad. I mean, how can you not? That I really need to find. I need to. I need to find me some sausage salad. Mm. Call, call me one sausage salad, please, <laughs> sir. This is an Arby's, which might have it. Hmm. <laughs> Alrighty, now back to me. Back to you. So I really want to do a little bit, a little bit of cryptid stuff, because uh, mm, I'm a big, I'm a big cryptid. Season. Yeah, I'm a cryptid boy. Uh, so we're gonna be talking about Manapogo. I don't know if you've ever heard about this before, uh, but this is. It's a, so it's um, in a long line of of just like um, water water cryptids and mm. the study of either, you know. Uh, like an unknown creature, whatever is called cryptozoology, and it's super mm. neat. And I love listening to podcasts about stuff. Nice. And uh, <clears throat> you know, for those of you who don't know, Manapogo, uh, it's a Canadian folklore. It it's so in um, Lake Manitoba, Manitoba, Canada, the creature was dubbed Manapogo in 1960. Um, the name echoing the British Columbia Ogopogo. There is also a Lake Winnipegosis monster called Winnipogo, though possibly uh, to be the same creature since the lakes are connected. Uh, and it is the, maintenance, uh, the, uh, the namesake of Manapogo Provincial Park. 
The monster is described as being four to fifteen uh, meters, and for that's, those of us, come on, that's silly. That's a wide range. That's yeah. It's like it's oh not yeah, like it's nine or ten feet. It's like it could be four feet, or it could be the size of your house. Yeah, um, it is described as a long, muddy brown body with humps on the show above the water and a sheep-like head. Well, you know, horrifying. Me too. Uh, the history. The local native population has legends of serpent-like creatures in Lake Manitoba going back hundreds of years. Sightings of Lake Monster have been reported since the 1800s. Uh, the community of St. Laurent on the southeast shore of Lake Manitoba holds a yearly Manitoba festival during the first week of March. That sounds so fun. Nice. Uh, you know, obviously, as with any sort of cryptid uh you know, there's always been searches for it. A group of 17 witnesses, all reportedly strangers, uh, seem to have seen three Manipogos swimming together in the early 60s. Uh, Professor James A. McLeod. They saw a lot of things in the early 60s. Oh, they saw a lot of stuff. Uh, trying to locate its remains if the brain population in the lake, carcasses, bones, should remain after death. Uh, no surprise, Mc, Mc, McLeod found none. And it's cool. Uh, you have a lot of these sightings uh, going back to like the 1900s. So there's like the first one that um, was written down was, you know, Hudson Bay Company fur trader, Valentine McKay reports to a massive creature in Cedar Lake. And you have all this stuff. I mean, I would say this is one to check out um, on your own because it's pretty cool. And like sometimes it's kind of scary, you know. Uh, like uh, this one in 1948, um, C.P. Ulrich uh, reported that some creature rose uh, to one point eight meters six feet out of the lake and gave a prehistoric type dinosaur cry so you know that's uh spoopy get your spoops on so i did want to do michigan dogman do a oh. one one sea and one land so this is uh i've actually heard about this the uh, michigan dogman i'm uh, i listen to this podcast called scary ish and they kind of do the same thing that we do but they just tell but they just like do one topic and they deep dive into it and they do mm. cryptids a lot and so the michigan dogman uh, it's a creature described to be seven foot tall, blue-eyed, you know, those pearly blues, uh, or amber-eyed, so, you know, two ends of the spectrum, a bipedal canine animal with a torso of a man, and a fearsome howl that sounds like a human scream. So, ah! Yeah, I turned that one down in the middle. <laughs> According to the legends, the Michigan Dogman appears in 10-year cycles that fall on years ending seven. Sightings have been reported in several locations throughout Michigan, primarily in the northwestern quadrant of the Lower Peninsula. In 1987, the legend of uh, Michigan Dogman gained popularity when disc jockey Steve Cook recorded a song about the creature and reported sightings. You know, good job, Steve Cook. Wow. Cooked wow. one up. You, could, you really cooked it up there, dog. Uh, this creature was unknown to most of the modern world until kind of late in the 20th century, which I think is an interesting sort of, you know, because a lot of these cryptids are much older. You know, they'll be like, oh, yeah, it's like, you know, someone said they saw you know, a Loch Ness monster in like the 30s. I'm like, yeah, they're probably not. That's, yeah, cool. Yeah. Like, um, but yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's said to have been stuck around the, air, the area of uh, the Manistee River and... Oh, Where's really that? Tell me, Michigan. Well, I should have figured. Oh, right, right here. Kind of like if you're looking at uh, at the mitten, it's like on the pinky. Mm. Which is a good to know because Angie lives in Michigan, and mm. I don't want to go up there. Nope. Uh, the f oh yeah, the first alleged encounter uh, of the Michigan Dogman occurs in 1887 in Wexford County when two lumberjacks saw a creature, which they described as having as a man's body and a dog head. And in uh, 1937, Paris, Michigan, uh, 
I believe that is also northwestern. Yeah, kind of, kind of, you know, a little bit more inland, but um, was attacked by five wild dogs and said one of them, uh, one of the five walked two legs. So uh, horrifying. That that's that. I like dogs, but I don't. I don't like that dog. Um, yo dog, yo dog. And then uh, it's also been in films in the late 2011. Filmmaker Richard Brower, known for such such hits as none of them. Uh, the movie premiered at uh, in Traverse City, uh, and it was a film called Dogman. Um, let's actually check it out. Film included a brief segment of the Gable film uh, used for impression from Mike Argusa, who received acknowledgement in film credits. Hmm. Cool. Let's us do Dogman. Uh, movie. 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 Oh, there's another one, an Italian film, but that's not the one we were thinking of. Ooh, a 3.7 on IMDb. Oh. Yikes. Oh, this look. This looks oh. ready for mystery Ooh. science theater. Oh my goodness gracious! That that guy. That that's the fat guy from According to Jim. Uh, ooh, not looking good. Not looking good. No one I recognize besides Larry Joe Campbell. And then uh, let's see what Richard Brower. Let's see what Richard Brower's done. Uh, fitful. Done. Oh, he likes using this guy. Wow. Yeah. Oh, there's a Dogman too. Wrath oh. of the Wrath of Dogman. I've. I've never oh, Wrath felt of so the Litter. Blessed. You know what? No, nah, it's I, Wrath of Dogman in my eyes. <laughs> you know, I still somehow want to watch this. I don't know why. Looks so, some, terrible. There's something about bad movies that you just wanna you just wanna know. Ooh, especially on a Sunday. Ooh, just ooh, ooh. It's a Sunday mood. Um, yeah, so that, I hope that was fun. I, I wanted to do a little bit, a uh, little bit, a little bit of something different, you know, because I love cryptids, but I didn't want to do any of the heavy hitters. I didn't want to do any of the big ones, you know, because sausage sandwiches. Sausage. Uh, real quick, there's a place called Bread and Cheese Creek. Excuse I, me. <laughs> it's in Baltimore County, Maryland. I didn't feel like reading the rest of the article. I just had to uh, throw that out there. I'm that, that my, there's a place called Bread and Cheese Creek. My life has been made better knowing this. G- good. 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 Um, let's see. Uh, on a more serious subject, uh, have you ever heard of a book called Neuromancer? Um, I have not. Uh, so Neuromancer is one of the early cyberpunk books, uh, considered one of the earliest and best-known works in cyberpunk. Uh, just to give people a little definition of what exactly cyberpunk is. Cyberpunk is a subgenre of science fiction in a dystopian futuristic setting that tends to focus on a combination of low life and high tech. Cool. Featuring advanced technological and scientific achievements such as artificial intelligence and cybernetics juxtaposed with a degree of breakdown or radical change in a societal order cool liking that yeah so i so this is part of a trilogy i've only read the first one it's uh pretty fantastic um so just just as a general overview of the story it's set in the future and the novel follows a guy named henry case everyone has pretty great names in the book he is a washed up hacker hired for one last job 
<laughs> and then which, I'm out of the game. Yeah, <laughs> which brings them up against a powerful artificial intelligence. Now, I just want to go over some of the names of some of these characters. So we got uh, Henry Case, but he just goes by Case. Sure, uh, as you we do. We have Molly Millions. Oh, I have, love that. We have Armitage, uh, which... Uh, that name has kind of been used uh, in a few more sci-fi type things since this book. Um, there's a really great uh, anime series called Armitage Three, which is Ooh. Uh, uh, there. There's there's four episodes of the first season, and uh, then there's a movie. They also have those four episodes basically edited down into two movies. Which is great. One's called Polymatrix. The other one's called Dual Matrix. Very fun uh, sci-fi. Uh, what, what, what's the subgenre? Uh, yeah, it'd just be sci-fi cyberpunk. It's uh, it's a lot of fun. It's from '95. I do like cyberpunk stuff. I think that it's better than steampunk, but worse steampunk, than steampunk. Punk is, punk. I hate it. <laughs> well, what blows my mind is that I'm like, oh, so you just if you like dress in steampunk, so you just spend a lot of money, look like an asshole. Uh, yes, the hundred percent. You right. don't need nobody needs those dumb little goggles. No, Brent, zero. no one, no one does. Brent uh, and I, Lisa. You know, I, I could I could appreciate like the old like the original whatever like H. G. Wells type of stuff, but sure, I don't know. I just don't. I don't need it. It could, it could have stayed where it was. Please. Uh, <laughs> there's there's also a uh, a graphical cyber attack management tool called Armitage, which uh-huh. I think is pretty cool. Um, oh, sorry. Ooh, I do not mean to be good. yawning like that. You don't bore uh, me. I just oh, I just partied a little bit this weekend, and I took people on the train, so... Whoops. You boy is a little loose. You boy. Uh, then we have Wintermute. We have uh, a character called Neuromancer. Nice. And Linda Lee. So it's got a bunch of cool names. It's, uh... The thing about Neuromancer, I think they've... It's one of those books that they've tried to make into movies, and it's just never kind of worked out. Um, that, uh... It's like, the way they describe... The way they describe computers is kind of like what... The way they... The way you see, like, in, um... What's that movie? Um, it's like it, like the way they visualize. Like, do you ever watch a reboot? Do you remember that cartoon reboot? Uh no. <clears throat> well, it's it, it's like when you're inside a computer, everything looks I don't know, fantastically futuristic, and that's just not how computers actually work. I don't know. It's hard to describe. But, sir, um, sir, you need to you you need to put your shirt back on. <laughs> Um, so, uh, a few cool things about this book. Well, uh, basically the, the main guy, uh, the guy that was writing it, his name is William Gibson. Mm-hmm. Uh, as he was writing it, he, uh, saw the movie Blade Runner and basically had a, uh, mental breakdown <laughs> because it, it, like the beginning of his book is kind of like the beginning of Blade Runner. Uh, oh. so, so he rewrote the first two thirds of the book 12 times. Damn, man. Yeah, yeah, because he thought he would be shamed for his publication of his book because, you know, you know, uh, ideas that are happening at the same time. But 
I could see, like, when I was reading it, like, oh, I could see why he might have, like, drawn the conclusion, like, the comparison of Blade Runner, but I don't know. Right. He's got fantastic ways to describe things and really great language, but I feel like he also kind of hits the noir aspect really hard with right. like, just like, uh, you know, just like the terminology people are using and just everyone's kind of talking in code and secret. Um, but yeah, I just, uh, I would definitely recommend it. It's, uh, I, I definitely want to get around to the other two <clears throat> books, but I read the first one. It's a little confusing at times. Sure. But it, it's just cause there's just a, a lot going on in it. So, uh, I definitely would check it out. It's called Neuromancer. Neuromancer. Do you, uh, do you have any more articles to share? Um, I do have. I do have one article. Uh, it's uh, <laughs> it's a little. It's it's a little more. Um... All right. Sorry about that. So uh, we're going to talk about the Man with No Name trilogy. Probably one of my favorite Western. I'm a huge Western head. Um, I I uh, love pretty much every western I've ever seen besides Appaloosa. That one kind of sucked, but uh, you know, yeah, you re- you get, you're not missing much. Um, so the so the whole the whole the whole ta- the whole uh, point of the Man with a No Name is the uh, is the uh, it's the trilogy of um, of basically like this good like good good do uh, like. Uh, unknown hero coming in to save towns and stuff and blah 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 and um it's possibly like one of the most uh iconic uh kind of spaghetti westerns um Mm -hmm. they've got uh let's see what are the okay so it's the trilogy of a fistful of dollars a few dollars more the good the bad and the ugly um and of course it's starring uh clint eastwood why do you do this for us why I knew someone like you once. There was no one there to help. I'll get moving. And, uh, you know, he's the man with no name. Um, I think another uh, notable one that isn't in the trilogy, but is really good, that is called uh, High Plains Drifter. It's very much the very good. Very good. Very, very good. And, uh, you know, this whole, um, this uh, process, or this process, this trilogy was created by Sergio Leone, Mm -hmm. who, for those of you who don't know, Sergio Leone was an Italian film director, uh, producer, and screenwriter credited as the creator of the spaghetti spaghetti western genre, which means westerns that that were shot and filmed in Italy because it was cheaper, and I think they had, like, uh, better control of the weather or something. Whatever it was, it it was was like, boom. Oh, yeah, it was just cheaper, yeah. I remember is that but it looks exactly like the Wild West as we imagine. Yes, exactly. Also, also uh, a few dollars more is basically a much more high budget version of a fistful of dollars, basically. Yes. <laughs> and, and also, I uh, you know I love Cowboy Bebop, and I think there was a uh, a cool poster for Cowboy Bebop that it was it said a fistful of Wulongs. Oh, that's dope. Wulong is their currency, so yeah, I just said throw that out there. So also, so as just so everybody knows that the whole idea of westerns as we know them comes from Japanese writing. Um, it's no surprise that uh, in preparation for Star Wars, George Lucas watched. He loved Sergio Leone, watched a ton of westerns and uh, samurai movies because yeah, the. I- I'm sorry. Oh no! I was just gonna say because um, if if you don't know this guys already, Star Wars is just a horse opera in space. That's all it is. It's just a well, it's a it, western it's actually, in space. It's actually specifically. Uh, the movie called Hidden Fortress. Which is fantastic. Yeah, so that's basically about a 
princess that needs to be brought across enemy territory by a Han Solo type character, and they have two bumbling idiots with them. It's the fucking time. fantastic. Yeah. Because, you know, art is dead. Yeah. And, and also, Fistful of Dollars is specifically the movie Yojimbo. Mm hmm. Uh, a great movie. There's also a, uh, a sequel to it called, I think, Sanjiro, which is also fantastic. Tish- anything with Toshiro Mifune, mm-hmm. he is a fantastic samurai. I- I've actually seen um, Yojimbo. Huge fan, huge fan. Yeah. Um, yeah, and uh, so the this whole concept, and I, you know, um, it's... Well, <laughs> so uh, basically the idea of... Uh, of basically the character that Clint Eastwood plays, the man with no name, is uh, the is you know unconventional Ronin, and a Ronin means a samurai with no master. And basically, you're kind of like looked down upon, but you're not stripped from being a Ronin. And there's a lot of there are a ton of Japanese like um, you know obviously like animes and stuff like kind of based on that concept. But like that's a very old concept that comes from. Um, the Eto period, you know, the Ronin, the, you know, the gifted, uh, you know, like the gifted warrior that has no master. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like Clint Eastwood's uh, Western setting character, Mifune, who plays, uh, who plays um, Yojimbo. Uh, it plays a Ronin with no name. When impressed, he gives the pseudonym uh, Sanjuro Kuwata Batake, meaning th- uh, 30-year-old Mulberry Field. Uh, and a reference to his age and, uh, and something he sees through the window. The convention of hiding the character's name uh, from view is shared as well, with Mifune's character typically wearing his arms inside his kimono, leaving his sleeves empty. Uh, prior to signing on to Fistful, uh, Eastwood had seen Kurosawa's film and was impressed by the character. During the filming, uh, he not only emulated Mifune's um, performance beyond what was already in the script, he also insisted on removing some of the dialogue from the original script making the character more silent, thus adding to his mystery. Uh, as the trilogy progresses, the character becomes even more silent and stoic. Um, listen, I, I, can't even, I can't even begin to tell y'all how much I love these movies, how much I love westerns, and pretty much how much I've loved everything Clint Eastwood's done until he, be, until he really came out that he was a, he was a hardcore racist and uh, super conservative. Uh, well, but, you know... I have, I have fond memories watching... Uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly with my dad. Oh, fantastic! Like, like my dad didn't watch a whole lot of movies, uh, but he—that's one of the ones he like. No, we're sitting down and watching this three and a half hour epic. And it's fantastic! It's fantastic! Yeah, I love the scene where uh, was I think like um, the main character, his like feet are on top of a grave, and he's being hung. Yeah, oh, man, it's it's uh, it's really badass. You know, and uh, Clint Eastwood, uh, his son is a badass electric bassist in a fusion band. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So here's just a little bit more references and homages in other works. Uh, Jotaro Kujo, a protagonist uh, in the three-part manga series JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, Stardust Crusaders, was inspired by the man with no name. Author Hirohiko Araki met Eastwood in 2012 as part of a you know, 25th anniversary celebration, uh, presented him with an original framed jo- uh, Jotaro Kujo illustration in return. Eastwood uh, recreated one of his character's signature poses. Boba Fett, possibly be my favorite, uh, my favorite um, 
Bounty Hunter. Uh, the antagonist in George Lucas's film series was based on the man with no name, according to Jeremy Bullock, the actor who played him. From his mannerisms to his like green and white armor, they had the same color scheme as uh, the man's poncho. Vincent Canby uh, described uh, Fred Williamson's characters in the Black Exploitation. Uh, it's film sl- it's Bo- black exploitation. Black exploitation. Boss N word and uh, is immensely uh, assured parody um, with a man with no name character because I'm also not about to say that word. Um, it's a bad word, guys. Uh, and then Roland Duchesne, and uh, as your boy just okay, finished right. seven books, uh, was the protagonist in Stephen King's The Dark Tower book series. Is heavily inspired by the man with no name. And in the Dark Tower Sixth Song of Susanna, uh, King, who appears in the character as in the book, which is fucking wild, uh, his comparison when he calls Roland a fantasy version of Clint Eastwood. Um, obviously, in the 2011 animated epic Western film, Rango mentions multiple times a character named the Spirit of the West, a sort of mythical figure among the inhabitants of the town of dirt who conduct who conducts an alabaster carriage uh, protected by golden guardians. Near the end of the film, the Tiltchiller character meets the spirit voiced by Timothy Oliphant, who appears to him as what is implied as an elderly version of Eastwood in The Man With No Name. Flint Shrubwood, bounty hunter hired by Duke Igtorn from an episode of The Adventures of Gummy Bears. <laughs> Called for a few sovereigns more. Parody, The Man With No Name, and then an episode of Time Squad. Billy the Baby features The Man With No Name as a ruthless sheriff chasing the squad who is teaching Billy the Kid to be a proper bandit. So there's, yeah, that's, uh, and uh, I can't recommend those movies enough. Uh, some of my favorite, uh, some of my absolute favorite stuff that's ever happened. Uh, great. That's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to wrap it up on a light note. I just wanted to first mention that there's actually an anime series of The Wizard of Oz. Get the fuck out! Yeah, it's 52 episodes. Um, I only found out about it because there's a specific guy I follow on YouTube. He's got a fantastic, very specific YouTube channel. Let me uh, let me just pull up his uh, his page real quick because uh, he he usually does these like video essays about obscure anime. Uh, nice. That, even for me, I like obscure shit. His shit is extra obscure. Man, that's that's how you know you're you're a real fan. Yeah, exactly. Uh, here we go. His name is Kenny Launderdale. Um, so my favorite one, one of my favorite ones that he did did one about. It's called uh, Golden Bat. Golden Bat was Japanese. It's Japan's first superhero, right? Like, dating back like hundreds of years, and it's been made into. So many TV shows and uh, live action, anime, all types of things for a really long time. Even before there was animation, there was these things called like picture plays where they would basically have like just this guy would just do voiceovers over uh, uh, pictures, um, which is pretty cool. Um, yeah, so I. Uh, he he mentioned it in, I think it was, the lost anim the video is called the lost anime found on a vinyl record. Huh. Uh, uh, the reason why it's called that is that um, uh, he found basically he's always looking for obscure stuff on on eBay and 
on Japanese Twitter and whatever, and he came across this vinyl record, and, uh, and he, like, couldn't really find, like, he just had the name, he had the name of, like, the person that sang it and the name of the anime, but it was never actually produced. They maybe had a 30-second clip of it, but, you know, it's just like anything else. Sometimes, uh, plans for stuff just don't come to fruition, but they at least had this, like, single in B-side, which would probably be the, uh, beginning song and the end song for the anime, uh, already recorded. So, I, I love this guy. He always has, like, uh, his videos are just so funny and weird and, uh, very interesting to come by. Um, I'm trying to think, which, some other good one. Oh, the, the, probably the craziest one that, it, it's more just, like, crazy just because it's, it's it's just weird. It it's called the Curse of Minky Momo. Oh, uh, weird. So, so Minky Momo is there's a few animes back then that was the beginning of the subgenre of Magical Girl, which would eventually become like Sailor Moon and all things like that. Oh, but love it. They had one called Minky Momo. Uh, there's another one which has a very weird name, but it's not as uh, weird. A, as you think it is, it's called Creamy Mommy. Oh, uh, it, it. First off, she's a child. Let's first say that. And, okay. But it's called Creamy Mommy because, like, her name is Mom M A M I, not M O M M Y. And I think because her parents own a place called Creamy, which is just I think a uh, just an ice cream place or something. Uh, yeah, it, it's one of those names. It's like we should have double checked how that would translate into English, but no, everything's fine. Everything's but, fine, <laughs> but it's fine. Um, but the cur- the main thing about the curse of Mickey Momo is like basically like the last episode ends in like this horrible, like basically I think Mickey Momo's like ran over by a truck, and that's the end of the show. Oh, <laughs> at, at, but the day that that aired, a huge tsunami went across japan and so it's just kind of he just thinks he just calls it the curse of minky momo that because it got canceled that day uh japan had to pay with a tsunami damn yeah pretty crazy i would also check out one called twinkle nora rock me which is barely an anime because in anime you're supposed to like animate animate all the scenes and some of them are just like stills that kind of move sometimes it's 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 baffling it's a baffling thing to watch um but there's a lot of other cool stuff but i would check him out he he just always has interesting stuff that uh to look at um it's kenny launderdale so uh yeah i just wanted to bring him up just because that's where i heard of this anime version of the wonderful wizard of oz well i dig it well we've learned a lot this week we've learned so much so yeah we're gonna wrap it up um i'm aaron hockman i'm, I'm andrew, andrew Grau. yeah uh, where can we where can people find us uh you can find us at well that's new underscore on instagram you can yeah. find me at aaron underscore hockman underscore you can find Andrew at Grow Music underscore Grow underscore Music. Oh, whoops! Whoops! 
Oopsie doopsie. Whoopsie doopsies. And uh, yeah, please like, uh, rate, review, give us feedback. You know, we want to hear it. Um, I know that, uh, you know, I want to shout out to uh, Frankie Ocean. Shout out to Joe Lindbergh. Shout out to my mom. Shout out. Shout outs. Giving it all away. Giving it all away. Yeah. If you, if you ever find anything interesting on Wikipedia, please send us an article. Uh, you know what? Yeah. Had one submission and it was great when it happened. Yeah, see? We we love you all. Be safe. Have a good Thanksgiving. Uh give your best to to your to to your moms. Have a great rest of your Sunday fun day. Uh I miss you kid. Miss you too. All right. Love you guys. Bye. Bye.